You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 46. Welcome back to where we chat with a different entrepreneur every week, from app developers, sales experts, and coaches, to authors and social media influencers. We focus on their journeys, how they built their businesses, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Together, we confirm that there is no formula to success. I want to thank all the listeners that have been supporting the No Formula podcast. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts to let me know what you think about the interviews and don't forget to subscribe. In this episode, we chat with Sarah Boland, founder and CEO of the Life Lapse app. After film school, Sarah was looking for a creative outlet that would embrace her countless ideas. She started multiple side projects until she focused on the stop-motion video app called LifeLapse. After pitching her idea to Dragon's Den, she didn't get any funding or a spike in users on her app. So in this episode, Sarah tells us how she got over 1.4 million downloads, her motivation behind starting the app, and her advice on how to pitch investors. Try LifeLapse in the App Store or visit their Instagram page, lifelaps underscore app. In the meantime, keep listening to hear Sarah's tips on how to grow a freemium SaaS business. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I love it. All the way from Vancouver. Yes, it's finally sunny here. Oh, oh yeah, because it's always raining, you right? You can see like sun beaming <laughs> into the office. Usually we have a fan on, but... Um, I obviously don't right now for the purposes of audio and yeah. if Thank I start you. beating and sweat, you know why. <laughs> don't worry, you look beautiful. Thank you. So thanks so much for being with us. I just want to jump right into your story because I absolutely love it and I love what you're working on. So I just want to get to it. You graduated in film and then you joined mm-hmm. the film industry and I know you had a lot of interesting positions after you mm-hmm. graduated. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I went to film school with the hopes of becoming a video producer, actually. Um, After I left film school and dabbled in the film industry for a while, I don't know, maybe a year or two, I would say I quickly realized that the reality of me actually getting to create videos was not anywhere in my near future because if you want to work on large productions, you have to put your time in. And that's starting with guarding pylons, even on um, like indie film sets where you're not even getting paid. So lots of volunteer work, you like got to put your time in. On top of that, um, like the hours are just wild. (laughs) Like you work like sometimes 15, 20 hour days for three months straight. And that's just not the life I want to live. So yeah, I left and started actually creating, which really fulfills me. And that's where I spent five to six years of my career. Okay. So how old were you when you kind of like left the film industry or realized that it wasn't for you? Um, maybe I was 21. So like film school was only a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went straight into it. Um, so maybe 20, 21. Okay. And then you said that yeah. you started reading for five, six years. Yes. And is that maybe the period? Seven years, yeah. Is that the period you're in now? No. So that was before I launched Life Flaps. Okay. So what was yeah. this creation period like? 
Yeah, so I started out at Clearly, uh, formerly known as Clearly Contacts. So they're mm -hmm. an online eyewear company. Um, they're pretty big in Canada. And I started out doing their product shots. So I'd literally take three photos of every pair of new glasses that would come in. Um, I quickly like grew out of that position. It was very mundane, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. um, and I created this video content creation role just with video blowing up on social media, I basically like morphed into that position. Mm -hmm. And from there on out, I have been creating videos for brands from, from multiple different brands, um, in-house and through freelance. Um, yeah, and then I launched Life Flaps. That's so awesome. Yeah. I actually, I get my contacts from Clearly still today. So that's super nice. cool. Cool. And I'm just wondering, um when you worked for them at what at what age were you before when you like started life laps um well i started three years ago and i'm 31 now so 28 i guess okay it's technically 27 and then a few weeks later i was 28 <laughs> yeah okay so how did you come up with the idea for life laps yeah so the idea was actually not what it is today mm -hmm. um and it was a personal time-lapse app. So think of somebody who's pregnant and they want to make a time-lapse of their bump growing over nine months. Mm -hmm. So to line yourself up between each month, unless you have a tripod staying in one spot for nine months, which who has a space or patience for that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the app launched for pregnancy time-lapses, travel time-lapses. So think of somebody who wants to do like a very specific pose in every city they go to, they can use our ghost feature in camera and line themselves up so that it's the same. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, maybe I can send you a video so you okay, can yeah, sure. have an example, but um, yeah, basically you can like line yourself up and then when you play the video back, it's like the background's changing and the person's in the same spot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, but how did you Hence come up with life, life laps? Yeah, now it's life, right? <laughs> well, now um, it's life, it's still life laps, but yeah. But now it is for everything life, not just pregnancy bumps and traveling. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, how did you come up with that idea? I always have a million ideas for everything. <laughs> um, for me, I wanted to create an app that was really unique and different obviously there's a million different video apps out there um there wasn't anything specific for this mm -hmm. and i wanted to create something that would the end result for the person creating the video would be a really eye-catching video that would leave their viewers being like wow how did you create that i know um life lapse isn't your first business so can you tell us a little bit about your other businesses and how they actually helped you create Life Labs and the success that it is today? Sure. Um, I would say like my previous businesses, they're more side projects. Mm -hmm. so I have like shiny object syndrome. When I have a new idea, I'll like spend a couple months on a side project. Even to this day, I still launch all these side projects, even though last year I said I would stop with that because I just need to focus on growing Life Labs. Um, my other businesses. So we actually have another app. It's called Zoomy and it basically applies a slow zoom motion to any existing photos that you have or video clips. Um, 
over COVID, actually, I launched a business with my friend called Quarantine Greeting Cards. Um, and that was just to make moments still special. There were funny kind of cheeky sayings related to obviously quarantine and still make birthdays, anniversaries, um, stuff like that still special. And yeah, I feel like I, I just, I need that creative outlet always to mm -hmm. have thing. I always need to have a million things on the go. <laughs> um, it's not the most productive use of my time, but I do feel really fulfilled doing them, even though I, it usually feels us off after a couple months. Um, I love that you execute on every idea though. Not every idea, but... A lot of them though. If you're always yeah. having so many projects, it's so awesome because I'm the type of person where, yeah, I have a lot of ideas, but I'm always like, oh, it's not going to work because of this. And then I yeah. don't do it. So yeah. I'm actually wondering when you get ideas and because you've executed so many of them, mm -hmm. is there like a process that you go through every time you get an idea, like some kind of market research or to just find... Like if there's a viable idea? No, I don't do any market research, which is so bad. And I tell anyone who wants to start a business to mm -hmm. do that and mm -hmm. see first what, what's the problem that you're solving before you think you're providing a solution. But mm -hmm. usually with these other side projects that I launch, they're not really, there's no investment in them. So like the quarantine greeting card, we use a print on demand company. So it's all third party fulfillment. Um, I'm really into like building scalable businesses now and not trading mm -hmm. my time for money. So it's more of just like, if the domain's available, start the Instagram account, launch the email campaigns. Um, and it depends on the business, obviously, but that mm -hmm. was the process for the, the quarantine cards, uh, company. But even for the quarantine cards, like, how did you know there was a need for that? You just kind of went for it you're just like oh campaigns let's sell no them. actually I, I was going so it was a friend's birthday and mm -hmm. we went to the store to buy her a card my husband and I and like none of the cards just felt appropriate it was like yeah I have the best celebration ever but it's like meanwhile this is like yeah. April when we were all super hunkered down and it's just like this really grim time of like not being able to be in person with people and I just like there wasn't anything in the market to fill that obvious need of like, Hey, like, I think we had one that was like happy, have like a, Oh, happy birthday corn queen. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's tons of like fun. fun yeah. Things. So very related to the times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and like, obviously it was just such a fast thing that happened with quarantine that it was just like, we just jumped on the opportunity and, and went for it. I love it. Is it, yeah. are you, are you making any profit from it? So right now we're collaborating with an influencer in California to do these postcard packs and we've shifted away from quarantine and now it's on um, helping bring awareness to anti-racism. We mm -hmm. did some pride postcards um, and all the profits from that are getting donated to various different charities from Black Lives Matter to, um, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. So I'd say like we made money on it initially, but now it's just all getting donated back in. And mm -hmm. if anything, like we came out even and it, I don't know, it was a fun project to do and to see people get these cards. It was, I don't know, it was awesome. I love it. I love that 
I love that you just execute on your ideas. You make difference. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to move on now and do something else. Yeah. So once the summer dies down, we're going to probably kind of fizzle out because we're not in quarantine anymore. So, mm-hmm. and it, it does take some time to like maintain the Shopify store and obviously yeah. the fees associated with that. So yeah, so just you- like acknowledge what it was and move on. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of time management, though, Mm. if you're having so many projects at once, how are you juggling it or what what usually gives? Do you have like a priority system or something in place to be able to juggle all of it? I wish I could tell you that I have this awesome like (laughs) calendar and formula for how I work, but... Mm -hmm. But it's it, a no formula podcast, so we understand. like. Do you are you do you allow swearing on your podcast? <laughs> yes, it, you it's can. a shit show. Okay, <laughs> my calendar is a shit show. I'll operate from periods where I'm like, like when we launched quarantine cards, for example, it was like from the second I got up to the moment we went to bed, it was like mm-hmm. working on this, and then in five days it was launched. And then I'll like, I'll take a breather. So I'm very, um, I don't really have balance. I'm like all in or I'm all so it's out. like cyclical. Like it'll take like two months, you'll yeah. go all in and then you're like peace for three months. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of like life lapse, it's at a pretty solid state now where it can mm-hmm. run on its own um, if need be. Obviously, if we want to continue growing it, we have to give it time and attention and love. And um, yeah. that's what we're doing now. So I am getting more into this phase of like, I just got this office. So I'm like coming in every day, leaving, putting in good hours, but then like going home and not working. Um, That's good. So I do feel like I have the balance now, but I know like if we're doing a major launch or I have my next business idea, it'll be like back to that chaos of Mm -hmm. all in. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know if you want to answer this question, but how many users do you have right now? Yeah, so we've got probably about 100,000 active, monthly active users. Wow, that's and so then, good. Yeah. And um, it's what, two years old, two and a half years old? It's coming up to three years, end of September. So I think total we've got maybe 1.4 million downloads to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. Sorry, I yeah. just registered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Also, if you can talk about this, because I think it's so interesting, especially with apps, it's how you monetize the app. So can you go into a little bit more detail of how you make sure that you're not only getting the users, but then you're making sure that they upgrade to like the pro or any other ways that you monetize? Yeah. So we're a freemium SaaS business. So software as a service, if you're not familiar with SaaS. Um, So people can download the app for free. They can literally create like a billion videos for free if they want. Mm-hmm. And then if they want to access any of the pro features, um, that's a pro subscription. So we have things like tools in our editor to adjust the brightness, the contrast of the video, that's a pro feature. If you want to access any of our royalty-free music or songs to go in the app, that's all part of the pro. Um, yeah, so that's how we monetize. It works out to be three bucks a month US um, when you subscribe annually. So it's pretty reasonable. That's very reasonable. And yeah, that's how we make money. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest lesson you learned from Life Lapse that you didn't learn from all the other businesses that you've had? Mm. I would say like this is my 
this is out of all the businesses that I've launched, this is the mm-hmm. only one I've, I've spent this much time and effort on. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like my biggest learning is honestly just listening to our customers and seeing how they're using the app. Um, because as I mentioned, the app didn't launch as a stop motion video app. What we were marketing as three years ago is very, very different to what we're doing now, which is um, we're a stop motion app. So we help brands, influencers, and creators create really eye-catching videos with stop motion. And like we would have never pivoted to this idea and market ourselves that. And we build out features specifically for stop motion now had we not seen you know, those users eight months into launch creating stop motions with the app instead of these pregnancy time lapses or the travel time lapses. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. That must be hard though as, as the founder to like kind of shift your, your vision. Mm-hmm. So how did, how did you cope with that? Was, were you like, oh yes, of course we have to listen to what they're doing. Or again, did you go into market research and kind of look at competitors? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, like the obvious, there, there's one other major stop motion app that really didn't hold me back from pivoting because their platform is more for like claymation type of videos. What I'm targeted to is, like I said, brands, influencers, and creator creators. So we have, you know, we're not just a stop motion app. We're like this holistic one-stop shop where you can learn, you can edit, you can shoot. Um, and we're really trying to build like this large community of stop motion creators specifically for marketing. And I, I was happy to go with the pivot because for me, like, as long as I see people are seeing value in that and it's still a video app. So at the end of the day, as long as people are creating video mm-hmm. videos and having it like be more catered towards marketers is actually more in my space because I did work in marketing for, I need to figure this out, five to seven years, whatever that <laughs> time gap was, 21 to 28. So yeah, I guess seven years. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually feel like I can speak to this audience more and my target audience is is me. So it, it was an easy switch for me, but like yeah. I do recommend to entrepreneurs if you're not finding success with whatever your solution is now to don't be married to a specific concept Mm -hmm. or a product. If you see people are finding value in another way that you didn't initially intend for, then like, if you see the market is, is for that, then like, why wouldn't you switch to that? You know? Yeah. And that's actually one of your, your business tips is don't not being married to your initial idea and pivoting with what your target audience is mm-hmm. saying that they find value in. And if you don't mind, I want to jump yeah. into your other business tips. Sure. Um, so your next one is progress over perfection. Perfection. I yeah. wrote it wrong. I wrote progress <laughs> over progression. I'm like, so, what? <laughs> what does that mean? So your next one is progress over perfection. Yeah. Feel fast and learn. So can you go into detail about what that means to you? Yeah. So I, as you may have guessed, like I execute on things quickly. Mm -hmm. um, And I truly believe that if you are waiting for something to be perfect, it's never going to launch. And if you just put something out into the world, that's 
you know, maybe it has a typo in it or whatever it is. Maybe there's a minor bug. Obviously we do lots of QA testing, but once you just put it out into the world, you're going to learn if one people like it or not, or even like the typo example, people will tell you, and it's like, it's not the end of the world. Just update it. Maybe it's not the most professional, but you know, we're bootstrapped. I don't have the budget for this large team to be overseeing every minor detail that I'm doing, though I do have somebody now and it's awesome <laughs> to have a second <laughs> set of eyes because I absolutely suck at spelling and grammar. Um, it's knowing your weaknesses though. Yeah, and, exactly. And now like, I love that you have this approach to it because you're proof that you don't have to be perfect. And I'm air quoting here for the yeah. people who are just listening. Um, and you can still be profitable. Yeah. You can still be very successful. Totally. Even if something doesn't work out, you're going to learn something from it. So who cares if you fail? I think the more you fail, the more you're going to learn and that's going to help you more in the, in, in the long run. Mm -hmm. Can yeah. you give us an example of when you failed and then you learned something from it? Yes. Yeah, so I mentioned this to you before, but I was on Dragon's Den and mm -hmm. it was an epic failure. <laughs> um, I got like totally destroyed on the show, but Okay, just for yeah. everyone listening before you continue about your experience, <laughs> I watched the your clip yeah. and I know you were there for a lot longer than they showed, but in that clip it doesn't look too bad. Okay, well Okay, they tell us some, they said some pretty awful things that weren't included in the final edit and mm. I'm not gonna focus on that. <laughs> but like it's a TV show, right? So yeah. they need it to be dramatic. Obviously, I went into this thinking, like, they're going to invest in me. And it was just like, a huge shock. And mm -hmm. a reality check that what I had, well, first of all, I went on the show when I was not a stop motion video app. So I pitched this whole other idea of like, where I was going to take the company to make it sound investable. Mm -hmm. And I say my learning from that is, well, don't pitch for investment until you have traction and product market fit. So we did have downloads, we did have a bit of revenue. Was this a scalable business as like a pregnancy slash travel time-lapse app? No, like it's just not a venture mm -hmm. appealing business. So again, my key learning from that was just don't pitch to investors until you either pitch before you launch or pitch when you are have major traction revenue growth in users all that stuff would you go to investors now i'm not opposed to getting investment mm -hmm. um the thing is it takes up so much time to reach out to investors and as somebody who's been the only full-time employee in the company for the past three years up until a month ago yeah. <laughs> like I've gotten to where I am because I'm in the business growing it and executing on everything from marketing to like, I've got obviously an amazing team of contractors who do development, customer service, all that stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm the one building out the SOPs and doing all of that and responding to managing all these people. It's like, I can't really step out of the business to like mm -hmm. maybe get funding. Yeah. So then- so, if I yeah. have, if I have the timeline correct, cause you said that it was like the perf, uh, personal time lapse mm -hmm. in the first eight months. And when yeah. you pitched Dragon's Den, 
that was, I guess, in the first eight months. Yeah. So we, we filmed in May. We launched in April. So it was like basically right after Dragon's Den. I was like, okay, what am I doing with this company? Oh. And then, like, yeah. So it was right before. Dragon's Den was right before we pivoted. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like before we started slowly integrating stop motion features. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like a hard pivot of like, we're this personal time lapse app and now we're stop motion. Mm-hmm. It was more like showing all of the use cases and trying to please everyone versus now we're like very much we're marketing Focused. to like brands, influencers, creators to create these eye-catching videos for their social media pages. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I was wondering what because you said in the investment, going to investments mm-hmm. and preparing takes a lot of time. When you were working on it by yourself in the first eight months, what made you decide to go on the show in the first place? Oh, I was just like, this is going to be awesome. National exposure. I'll go viral. Is that what happened? Look, secret that people may not know. Ooh, my biggest secret. Um, Okay, so some, a big secret that I, I love to share with people that gets them like really quick wins is, and it's not really a secret, but it kind of is, is retargeting. Mm -hmm. So getting back in front of people that have been on your website, but in that audience, also including anybody who has engaged with you on Facebook or engaged with you on Instagram, meaning they like liked or commented on a post and anybody who has watched a video of yours. And if you have content going out regularly, all of those people are going to be your hottest, warmest, like quick win leads and then it's just really at that point getting them to um getting them to take the next step in converting and get on a phone call or I'm sorry not a phone call but to go to your site and buy that product from you I think it's the easiest way to just see a really quick win from Mm -hmm. Facebook ads so that's usually where we start so you retarget based on the people who are already interacting with your page yeah Oh, I didn't yeah. know that was an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for those who may not know what retargeting is, can you just give a, a quick like one-liner of what that is? Yeah. So it's getting back in front of people who have been on your website or engaged with you. That's what we're talking about. It's okay. like this person was interested with you. They in you, they already know who you are. They like were maybe looking at that bag and like, saying, oh, that's very nice. But they left for whatever reason. They got distracted. The kids started crying. The mm-hmm. dog needed to be let out, whatever. So our purpose, our journey is just to get back in front of them and say, hey, don't forget about me. And <laughs> that leads to a really high conversion rate and ultimately a, a really nice return on investment for you. Yeah, that's, I think that's a pretty good secret. If that's the first thing you do, then everyone should be taking notes. <laughs> yeah, everyone should do that first for sure. Okay. So can you walk us through creating what a campaign may look like on Facebook? So the best way to look at that is through exploring a funnel structure. So looking at who are you targeting and what are you putting in front of them, right? So the first phase is what we call top of funnel. And those are your cold audience people. They have no idea who you are. They've never been to your website. They're just like randos on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Those people we want to give them are most attractive, like 
winning products. The, the thing that you kind of like hang your hat on at the end of the day, you're like, I can sell a million of these. This is what everybody loves because we're drawing them into your brand. Doesn't mean that that's the only thing that they'll love, but we want to draw them in with like our most exciting, um, our most exciting product or our most exciting offer. And I don't mean offer like sale offer. I mean, offer like if you have a bundle or if you have like a set of layered necklaces, let's say, or a tote bag that pairs nicely with this, like that kind of an, an offer or a pitch. Why did you emphasize not a sale? Because the sale comes in later. Oh, okay. So I don't recommend running a sale all of the time, except for some very exclusive brands, um, brands that have like a low level of trust or something like that. In that case, like, let's get them over the hump, let them fall in love with your products. And then we know they'll be with us for a lifetime, right? That's when a sale is appropriate. But for most brands, let's introduce them to the products first, and then they get to the website. And nine times out of 10, if they don't buy, it's for one of two reasons. Either they got distracted or they didn't, they thought the price was too high. Those are like your two main like objections or they just didn't like it. And if they didn't like it, then they're not our people anyway and we can let them go. But so top of funnel, they've never heard of us before. And so we give them our best, we put our best foot forward. They come to our site and for whatever reason they decide to leave and not purchase. So then we retarget them, that thing I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And we say, Hey, I know that you were looking at this. I know that you liked this, or I know that you were looking at something on our site. Here's a code for 10% off, or here's a code. This is where you introduce the offer. Here's a code for free shipping. Here's how we can like, we, we bring them back into um, like our, our grips, if you will, by overcoming that objection of like, you don't know me and you don't trust me at this point. So you chose not to buy but I'm going to lower that barrier of entry and, and give you like, take away that as an objection. I'm going to give you an opportunity to really easy, something easy to say yes to, to convert, to just push you over the edge. And so for some of my clients, that's like 10 or 15% off, but for some of my clients, it's literally as simple as free shipping. So on her website, she purposefully does not have free shipping until it's like, until you leave and don't buy and then she'll offer you free shipping and it pushes the majority of her clients over the edge to go ahead and buy. So that's where the offer comes in. Not at the top of funnel because if you show all your cards up front, then there's nothing to sort of overcome that objection, right? Um, I, I think that it's, it's much better if you do it this way. If you introduce them to your product and then you offer them a limited time sale. Okay, question, yeah. which is a little off of what we're talking about. But I remember I, I think it was tickets to a show where I went to go buy tickets to a show. I bought them already. And then they retargeted me with a discount. Yeah. So is that a mistake or did they do that on purpose? No, that was a mistake. I oh, would okay. assume unless there's like, they want you to buy more tickets. Um, mm -hmm. Because in ads, you can actually exclude people that have already purchased. So you can say, Hey, anybody that purchased in the last 30 days, but visited our website or anybody that visited our website, but didn't purchase, you take out all the purchasers, give them this offer. And then they give those, those people the offer. So they probably just didn't target you correctly. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> and you want to avoid that too, because you don't want to upset your purchasers. Yeah. So we want to thank those people, which is another thing that sometimes I do is I put out a thank you ad to people that 
have purchased, especially if I'm a smaller brand. And I set that on a reach. So I just, I say, I just want to get in front of them Facebook and I will run that at a dollar a day and say, thank you so much for purchasing. I like, we love you. We're so grateful to have you here. Here's 10% off of your next purchase, or here is free shipping on your next purchase. So sometimes I'll extend that to my purchasers, but in a different way. And then that leaves such like a positive, like kind of final note with them is like, they're actually mm-hmm. spending money to get back in front of me and say, thank you. Like it, it really does a lot for brands. And can you measure if people are actually coming back and using that offer? Yeah. Yeah. So you can make that code really specific. Like if you have Shopify, mm. you can just put in a new code and it can be like, thanks. Yeah. You know, like it can be really simple or it can be like, um, happy day 10, or it can be something really specific. And you know, the only place where that code is active is inside of Facebook ads. And so it okay. just sort of gets back in front of them. Very cool. I've never heard anyone do that, but I think that's a great idea to keep that lifetime value of the customer and keep them coming back exactly because ultimately like we are nothing without our customers so we want to thank them we want to be like hey i like i appreciate you thank you for 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 doing that for buying my product like we did a ha- i had a client where we literally recorded them like dancing in their warehouse and they were like we every time you like you bought this and we literally danced together like thank you so much because it's a small company mm-hmm. and consumers we're gravitating more and more towards mom and pop businesses small companies and we're kind of like we're disrupting industries in some cases because we we prefer to shop with people that we know like and trust in comparison to big brands that 50 60 years ago would have carried this like authority and we're like oh we have to buy from this big brand because we trust it now we're like well, we want to su- support the little guys and so when the little guys come back and they start dancing in a video we're like oh that's cool I want to buy from them again like that's awesome <laughs> that is amazing so yeah. shifting gears a little bit I want to go back to to your agency and specifically how you find your customers and then a little bit about your application process yeah so our customers come to us um one of two ways they either mm-hmm. come to us via referral we are a big referral business and I believe the best people know the best people. So I always tell my clients and like all all the people that I know, I'm like, if you know of anybody, like send them our way, we're going to take really good care of them. Um, And then the other way is through Facebook ads. Oh, I know. It's truly shocking. Uh, I would have never guessed. Yeah. Yeah. The other way that we do it is through Facebook ads and we have, um, through both, we have a very uh, specific like application process. So um, and I have like two separate forms that basically before they get on a call, I have people fill out a questionnaire that just kind of gauges where they're at in their business, like what it is that their offer is, um, what they're selling and kind of what their goals are. And we see if we can help them throughout like in all of those things. So we kind of like bundle together these interviews and I take them to the team and I'm like, Hey guys, this is what we've got for this week. What do you think? And we decide like, do we love this or do we not? And then depending on that is, is kind of at that point when we decide to get on a call. And then when we get on the call, we do a lot of talking about what makes us different as an agency, 
but also what makes our clients different and who we work best with. Um, and those, and during, between those two times, I have an email sequence that goes out to all of my people and it tells them about myself. It tells them, um, like really big, important stories in my life, but it also tells them about like our agency and what we do for our clients and what our clients have said in the past. And some people, it is created to not resonate with some people. Like some people get the email flow and they choose not to come to the call. That's okay. That's what it was designed to do. If you don't like the story about my life and you're, you know, you hate that I talk about my dog so much, then like, we're not a good fit. That's okay. And I'm okay with not being a good fit for everybody. I want to help as many people as I can and, and make a really big impact in their life and in their business. And if you don't like me, then like, that's going to be really hard for me to do. So, um, so we get on that call, we go through like what makes our clients a good fit with us. And then we, we don't do hard sales on calls and we say, okay, like, we want you to take 48 hours and like, think about it, take some time, talk to your spouse, talk to your team, like think about this investment because we consider our, our clients so much like a little family. Um, and we have a really high retention rate for our clients. So I'm not talking about partnering with you for a few months. I'm talking about partnering you with you for the long term, like whatever that looks like in your business. We've taken clients on that We've run ads for them and they get so large that they're like, hey, we kind of want to bring ads in-house and we help work with them to train their team to bring our ads in-house. And then we say, okay, we're here. We're here for audits or support as you continue to grow. And we like send them on their way. We are, we're so focused on creating for you, your business that, that works best for you, that it, that can look different for everybody. And so we really want you to take that commitment seriously because we, we really are, we're taking it seriously as well. And, um, and yeah, and so through that, after that 48 hour period, we hop back on another call typically and we say, okay, like, what are your questions? Because there are always questions. They always get off the call mm -hmm. and they're like, oh no, no, I've got this. And then like 48 hours later, they're like, I've got 85 more questions. <laughs> so we get back on call, we answer all those questions. And then we just, we ask for their opinion. Like, what do you think? Do you want to get started? And if so, when, and how can we, how can we best support you? So, so I think like through all of those steps, we're able to create not only, um, like a relationship with a client, but we also create for them a package that works for them. So we're not we don't have like a one size fits all. It's like, okay, well, this is what we, we do over here, but maybe you're actually better suited for this. And like, mm -hmm. what would that look like if we, if we built out this for you? And so um, it's really, again, that like custom curated kind of white glove experience the whole way. I love this for the listeners because it just goes to show that you can select the customers you want to work with that are directly related to your values and your proof that it can work. And so that I, I love that you're, you're telling us about it. So thank you for that. And just before ending this interview, I want to ask you one last question. So this podcast is called the no formula podcast because there is no single formula to success. So my question to you is what do you think is your formula that got you to where you are today? Very good question. 
I think that, I think the number one thing that really, really got me to where I am, got me over like the phases of burnout and the phases of just like insanity and of like the roller coaster that is like feast or famine or whatever, like in the beginning of my business is what I now like to call the vomit test. <laughs> I know it's, it's such a funny name, but it really, for me, just like resonated. And it was like, yes, this is what I want to do. And, um, again, this is one of those things, like if somebody else has named this, please let me know because I'm pretty sure I invented it, but if I didn't, then like I'll admit it. But so the vomit test is when you sit down in your business and you're looking at all of these things that you have to do in a day, there are bound to be things that just literally, if you have to do that, it makes you want to vomit. You're like, (laughs) Oh, please, dear God, do not make me send invoices again. Mm-hmm. Please do not make me chase down another client to pay. Please do not, like, whatever that, please don't make me run Facebook ads. I feel so out of my depths and I feel so overwhelmed and I mm-hmm. just can't do it. I don't want to do it. And I would rather throw up than do that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do those things. If it makes you want to vomit, don't do it. Because that is how you get stuck into a business that you hate, right? And I am so intentional about creating a business that I love and a life that I love, that if there's anything in my business that I hate, I either outsource it or I don't do it. So for example, taxes. I can't, I can't, like what you start talking about taxes to me and I turn into an idiot. Like I'm like, wait, so what am I, what is the, what is me? How do I, 20 <laughs> like I cannot I can't math and like I do math in my job like I'm good at math but like all of a sudden I just like I glaze over and like fear takes over and mm-hmm. I and so very early like probably before I should have I hired somebody to do my bookkeeping and do my taxes because I just couldn't I couldn't comprehend how to make that happen on my own mm-hmm. and so yeah. So I think, I think those are the pieces that you look at and you pay attention to first and you ask yourself, do I have to do this? Yes. You have to pay taxes, Courtney. So sorry, but you got to do it. If you have to do it, then can you outsource it? And it should, you should answer like, yes, to one of those, like, yes, I can outsource it if I have to do it, or if I don't have to do it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at a certain point, advertising and marketing in general become necessary for your business to continue to grow. And so if it makes you nauseous to want to run ads for yourself, then that's when you need to look at getting help. And it could be, everybody is different. I think that's the other thing is like the things that make me want to throw up are the people have actual jobs where they do taxes for a living and it blows my mind. And so like, (laughs) it's okay that we're all different, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why that's why we're all here is to like join together on this journey and do the best that we can and try to create a business and a life that we love that is a Marie Forleo quote so like I will give credit where credit's due (laughs) well thank you so much for chatting with me today and giving me all your secrets and I'm sure the listeners will thrive off of these tips and I will leave um a link to Courtney's uh, website on in the show notes. So everyone who's listening, just uh, look out for that. But thank you very much, Courtney. And uh, we're definitely going to keep in touch. Oh my gosh, I know. I can't wait. <laughs> so much. I had so much fun. Before ending this episode, I want to summarize a few takeaways from my conversation with Courtney. She provided so much value, but I'm going to stick to a few of my favorite points. 
first. She created her business based on values of superior customer service and trust. As a result, she is very much part of every customer's journey. Many entrepreneurs want to eventually back away from the day-to-day, but Courtney's personal touch is what makes her business approach unique. Second, after revealing the ABCs of Facebook ads that include audience, budget, and company inventory, Courtney explains that not every business can succeed with online campaigns. She admits that it will amplify the success that you are already experiencing. I thought this was super interesting because it demonstrates that you have to make your business work before relying on online campaigns. Three, I love how she broke down her customer onboarding process. It really shows that there is no formula to her craft and we are all about not having a formula on this podcast. Finally, she went through so much great advice, but I have to highlight her application process. I love that she decides who she works with. And in my opinion, this is the ultimate goal when running a business. Thanks everyone.